Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman of Behind the Steel Curtain, and we are back with another Let's Ride podcast, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. It is Wednesday, everyone. Happy Hump Day. It is Thanksgiving Eve. I didn't know this until a couple years ago that that is considered the biggest bar scene, whatever you want to call it, going out night of the entire calendar year. And that's because everyone comes home. They're home the night before Thanksgiving, and they want to go out and they want to have a good time beforehand. I didn't know that. So if you're headed out on Wednesday night, be safe out there. Be safe out there. Be smart. And uh, make sure you enjoy some Thanksgiving. I want to start off, before we get into the news and the DEF CON updates and the mailbag in the second half and and really what the crux of this podcast is all about, I, w- I want to talk about Thanksgiving briefly. This Thursday is Thanksgiving, and I just want to give a big shout-out, a big you know, thanks and gratitude to every single person that doesn't just listen to my podcast, but supports the website behind the steel curtain.com supports all of our podcast network. Uh, we really do appreciate it. This has been a rough season, uh, at three and seven, the Steelers are not making it easy. And there's a lot of people that have jumped ship, you know, numbers are down on both sides of the coin, not going to lie. And that's because some people just don't want to hear about it. And, and there are those diehards like, the Let's Ride podcast pretty does pretty steady numbers all year, and I'm very appreciative of that. And uh, but there's a lot of people that they just say, you know, I'm I'm done. That this team's three and seven. I don't want to listen to it. I trust me. There might be times where I don't want to talk about it, but it's a job, and we're here to do it. And I want to say thank you for all you that listen. If you celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope you have a fantastic day that's filled with family, food, and football. And if you don't celebrate Thanksgiving, well, enjoy the football because there's going to be three pretty good games on Thursday. And so make sure you check that out. If you want a community, if you don't have anyone, go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and we'll have open threads for all the Thanksgiving Day games. You can communicate with other Steeler fans. It's a really cool place. Check it out. All right, now let's just natural. Let's talk about what's going to be coming up with Let's Ride. This Let's Ride schedule is going to be a little bit different than what we're used to based on the fact that in Week 12, the Steelers play on Monday Night Football. So... This Friday is going to be a regular show, regular time. The only difference is, is that you're not going to get the keys to victory. You're not going to get my prediction for the game. The reason why you're not going to get that is that they don't play until Monday night. Jeremy Jerome Betts is, is we're going to do the best we can to work our schedules so that we can still record. I'm hoping he's on with me for the All Bets Are Off segment. We're going to talk about the Steelers. We're going to talk about some NFL picks, but we're not going to dive headfirst into our predictions. Jeremy can give his, uh, but I'm going to hold mine until Monday. Now, Monday, you have a regular pregame show for me. Might be a little bit longer because, again, Jeremy's going to be joining me on Friday. So we'll talk about keys to victory. We'll talk about games that were over the weekend and get you geared up for that Monday nighter against Indianapolis in Indy. Lucas Oil Stadium in the Dome. So that that's what it's going to be now on Tuesday. Because you're probably thinking, well, when, when are we going to hear the winners and losers? You got to wait till Wednesday? No. Tuesday, we're going to have a special winners and losers podcast. It's going to be shorter, probably only about 15 to 20 minutes in length. It's not going to be all of my thoughts on the game. It's just going to be me giving you the winners and losers so that you can kind of wrap your heads around my thoughts. And then on Wednesday is when I'll be back with a very typical Wednesday show like we are here today. 
So just wanted to give you the lay of the land and what's coming up. Now let's talk about some news. Mike Tomlin met with the media on Tuesday. As always, he updated at the injuries. I thought they got some good news on the injury front. I mean, you talk about players like Jalen Warren. Mike Tomlin said that that hamstring injury is not to be, they don't think it's a serious hamstring injury, unlike uh, Kello Witherspoon's hamstring, that they are going to be cautious with him and, and make sure that he's healthy enough to play. But he didn't close the door on him playing this week, so that's good news. Mason Cole with the midfoot f- injury, sprain, whatever. Uh, Mike Tomlin said it was going to need to be evaluated after the game. Seemed pretty optimistic on Tuesday that Mason Cole, though he might be limited early in the week, should be available for them against the uh, Colts on Monday night. And he did mention how all these injuries, they have like an extra day and a half to rest, to rehab, and that's going to benefit some of these players. The last player is Miles Boykin, who's dealing with an oblique slash abdominal injury. And he said, just going to see how how it goes. They're going to see if he practices. Now, Wednesday is not going to be the first injury report. That's not going to be until Thursday. So uh, things are going to be a little different. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday for a Monday night game instead of the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday schedule. It throws me off. off. I, I don't I, – all over the place as well. But there you go with the injury report. No update on Nikella Witherspoon this week. I was surprised by that. The only other news that happened were pertaining to the Steelers was that Heinz Ward and James Harrison were both listed as semifinalists for the Hall of Fame. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal for Heinz Ward, especially. Um, Heinz Ward has made the has been a semifinalist for seven straight years. Seven straight years. Now, you're probably wondering, okay, what are the odds that they get in? I don't think James Harrison is going to get in the first ballot. He, he might get in eventually, but I don't think he's a first ballot guy. Heinz Ward, so now you have to ask yourself, who are the receivers that he's going up against? So here are the modern era semifinalists of class of 2023, the receivers. We're talking about Anquan Bolden. We're talking about, I'm looking through the list, Devin Hester, if you want to include him there. Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, uh, Steve Smith Sr. Obviously, Heinz Ward is on that list. And that's it. So it's not a really strong receiver class, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, like I said, I don't think James Harrison gets in on the first ballot. Uh, I'm shocked that he's this is his first time uh, being, I think, available for the Hall of Fame, and he's already a semifinalist, so maybe he does get in eventually. Well, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be very interesting to see. Let's go over DEFCON levels. I want to do this. I want to give it some time. The DEFCON level update. Remember, a one is bad. One is things are really, really bad. And a five is things are great. There's no problems at all. Let's just move on with our lives. So keep that in mind when you're thinking about these scores because if you think, oh, wow, one's really good, five's really bad, no, it's flipped. One is bad, five is good. So we're going to go through like we always do, starting on the offensive side, starting at quarterback. I don't have the quarterback moving at all. I have it as a three. It was a three last week. It's a three again this week. I did see strides from Kenny Pickett moving in the right direction, but I still haven't seen the complete game. I still haven't seen enough plays, or let me just say I haven't seen enough bad play or decrease of bad plays for me to elevate this from a three to a four. So three is not a bad DEFCON number here, folks. I don't want you to think that I'm bashing Pickett. No, far from it. I think that he is progressing, and Mike Tomlin said this on Tuesday. I agree. He said we all, even Kenny Pickett, would probably like to progress faster, but he is progressing. So that's why I'm just keeping it the same, keeping it at a three. For the running backs, 
been very pleased with Najee Harris the last two weeks. And I wish that Jalen Warren was healthy and available. Even if he isn't, I like the way that Najee Harris is trending. 99 yards in week 10, 90 yards in week 11. He was more of a factor in every facet. He was the bell cow on Sunday against Cincinnati. I love the way they're trending. I like both of those guys a lot. I love the offensive line. Run blocking, I have it as a four. Let's go to pass catchers, wide receivers, and tight ends. Now, this could have gone to a three. When you think about Pat Fryermuth had some drops, George Pickens had some drops. I, I kept it at a four. I've been very pleased with the pass catchers. And, you know, Deontay Johnson is not seeing the, the targets that he's used to. He's not getting the touches that he's used to. The guy hasn't even scored a touchdown yet, and they're heading into week 12. Uh, Jeffrey Benedict spoke about uh, Deontay Johnson on his Cutting Room Floor podcast on Tuesday. I definitely recommend you check that out if you haven't yet. And he talked about how he does not have Deontay Johnson as one of those quote-unquote core players on the offensive side of the ball, which I thought was very interesting. But Pat Farmey's great. I would love to see more from Connor Hayward. Maybe we'll get there eventually. Uh, but as of right now, I love the wide receivers and the tight ends. I think they're only going to get better. That's why they're a four. Now, the offensive line, I have it going down a notch. I have it going down a notch to a three. While the run blocking is great, the run blocking is improving. I don't see the same type of improvement with the pass blocking. I want to see cleaner pockets for Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's seeing ghosts. He's got happy feet. You get planted a couple times in the NFL, and and I'm sorry, 99% of us would also be a little bit hesitant and wondering if there's going to be someone coming from behind me to not try to knock my block off. And that's happened. That's happened. Now, he was only sacked, I think, twice in Week 11, uh, but he, they, the Bengals did hit and harass uh, Kenny Pickett a good bit. I think they had seven quarterback hits on the day. The offensive line, if it can become more complete, and it did look different, with J.C. Hasnauer in there. And I don't fault J.C. Hasnauer, by the way. He even spoke with the media early in the week and said it's really difficult to come off the bench and just go. You know, you're not you're not getting practice reps. You're just, you got to go in, you got to make the calls. It's tough. Mason Cole's in there. It's a different beast. Hopefully he's available, but I still have the offensive line going down one, two, or three. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Defensive backs, they're going down one as well to a three. They were a four after week 10 against New Orleans. Down to a three, not trending in the right direction. Uh, Just not pleased with everything I'm seeing from the secondary. Maybe it is the three safety look that has to kind of get used to each other and get comfortable. I'm not sure. The cornerbacks are average at best. We know this, but still, I have them as a three. Outside linebacker, I'm keeping as a four. Uh, I like Alex Highsmith. His play has really stepped up. TJ Watt, sometimes you got to give credit to the other team. Those tackles for the Bengals played well. But I have him going, uh, staying at a four, staying at a four for this week. Inside linebacker takes a step backwards. They were at a four. They go to a three. Every single inside linebacker, Devin Bush, Miles Jack, and we know Robert Spillane got abused in coverage. And it's not so much you know, the run game. The run defense has been okay. It's through the air that these inside linebackers are getting absolutely eaten alive. It's got to be fixed. They got to figure something out. Jeffrey said it on his podcast on Tuesday morning. I'm going to reiterate it here. And that is, I don't know why Devin Bush isn't playing in the dime role, at least some, over Robert Splain. It makes no sense. Inside linebacker goes to three. The last one, defensive line, four. Got it as a four. I've really liked what I've seen from Montrevious Adams. 
Larry Ogunjobi's good. I thought Chris Wormley played a good game. Uh, I thought that Cam Hayward is Cam Hayward. That they, they don't have. I'm, I'm anxious for Demarvin Leal to be activated. Love to see him with T.J. Watt, Isaiah Loudermilk. They have some depth there. I've got him at a four. The last part we're going to go over to the DEFCON levels is the special teams. I have special teams as a four. I thought Presley Harvin punted the ball well. Matthew Wright didn't miss a kick. That is a four, so it's a step in the right direction for the special teams. For them to go from a four to a five, they're going to have to be almost perfect, and it's possible. It could happen. Okay, let's talk about this podcast today. There's a lot I want to get off my chest. You know, I made the mistake, and it's my fault. I take full credit and blame because I was catching heat, but it's, it's something I said on, on Twitter. This was on Monday. I said, when everyone's out there bashing the offense, let's just keep in mind that the defense surrendered 37 points. And you would have thought that I was personally insulting every single individual's mother that read that tweet on Twitter. That's what you would have thought with the responses that I received. So the headline and the title of this podcast is the defense, not the offense, the defense was the most disappointing part of the Steelers' loss on Sunday in week week 11. 37 points surrendered. I can't, I can't get that number out of my brain. Everyone wants to talk about the defense, and, and or everyone wants to talk about the offense and how horrible Matt Canada is and Kenny Pickett and all this stuff, and they couldn't do anything in the second half. Yeah, they, they couldn't. But 37 points. 37 points. Now, yes, Three of those points came in the fourth quarter when the Steelers went for it on fourth and nine. They did not get it, and they gave the Bengals the ball in the in field goal range, and they ended up converting. So, okay, take take three off. 34 points. That's fine. Take three off. I, the one thing I want to make clear, when the Steelers had in 2017 the playoff game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, the defense had every right to be mad at the offense because Ben Roethlisberger turned it over a bunch. You could say the same thing about the Cleveland Browns when they played them in the playoffs in 2020. Seemingly, the defense was behind the eight ball in the first quarter. That was not the case. That was not the case. They had a lead. The the Steelers gave their team the lead heading into halftime. They're up 20-17. to Did the offense help? No. No, they did not help. But did the defense do the job? No. They didn't do the job either. It's just like Mike Tomlin said, if you're a dominant defense, even if the offense can't make the plays necessary to add to the point total, you expect to get some stops, to get off the field, and to force field goals and not give up touchdowns. And the Steelers' defense didn't do either. Now, a lot of people will say, well, you know, in the second half, I mean, Steelers' offense, they couldn't do anything. They, they, they were the, the defense was on the field the entire game. Okay, well, I looked at the total time of possession. Total time of possession. I'm not breaking it down by half. Total time of possession. Cincinnati had 31 minutes and 36 seconds to Pittsburgh's 28 to 24. That's pretty darn even. That's pretty darn even. Yes, it's skewed to Cincinnati, but that's pretty even. Okay, so for let's say, well, the Steelers possessed the ball early in the game. All right. Then the defense should have been fresh in the second half, shouldn't they? Doesn't that correlate? Maybe not. Probably not to those people that are always trying to defend the defense. Adjustments were also never made. And that's on the coaching staff. We'll get to that in a second. Adjustments were never made. I mean, when you look at just the running backs for the Cincinnati Bengals, their their running backs, their receiving stats, they had seven catches on seven targets for 90 yards and three touchdowns. 
They didn't even force an incompletion to a running back. One guy, P. Ryan, scored all three touchdowns. The usage of the Steelers linebackers, I mentioned Devin Bush not getting an opportunity to play in that dime role, in the nickel role. When you only have one linebacker out there, it still boggles my mind. Robert Spillane is continually being abused. He's going to continue to be abused. I just don't see why they're doing that. And then Jeffrey brought up a great point in his snap count article that runs the day after every game when he said how, okay, everyone was waiting for these three safeties to be healthy. DeMonte KZ, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Terrell Edmonds. They finally get all three on the field, and all they do with KZ is essentially replace Trey Norwood's snaps with DeMonte KZ. I just, I don't get it. I don't get that part of it either. It's not all in the players. You know, the funny thing is, is that fans love to rail on Matt Canada when they say that the offense sucks, that he sucks. But where's that same energy for Terrell Austin? I know I've seen it from some people. I'm not saying that no one does. But he almost sometimes, for some reason, he always gets a pass. He always seems to get a pass. His plan, if it's Terrell Austin's plan, it's not Brian Flores, it's not Mike Tomlin. If it's actually Terrell Austin's plan, it was not good enough. I always hearken back to Robert Spillane. You talk about cornerbacks that are just not good enough. T. Higgins, who's not Jamar Chase, lights up the defense for 148. At what point were they going to make an adjustment? At what point were they going to say, okay, we can't let this one guy kill us? They let that one guy kill him. Sure, he didn't hit pay dirt. Don't worry. They'll throw it to the running backs in the flat, and they'll do the rest. He seems to get a pass. And I I think the reason why is that he coaches the defense. Steeler fans love defense. You go back to the 70s in the Steel Curtain. You go back to the, the 90s of Blitzburg, the 2000s, with that unbelievable Dick LeBeau defense. They've always loved defense. They've always loved the defense. But there are times when the defense fails the team too, and that's okay. So a lot of times people say, you know, 37 points surrender. Well, my, the, the, everyone came back at me with this because I said, you know, the offense puts up 30. The defense surrenders 37. Like, well, what the heck here? I could do the math. The offense finally puts up points, and the defense doesn't do their end of the bargain. And they say the same, oh, well, seven of those Steelers' offensive points were in garbage time. Okay, sure. So let's take the points off the board then. And you take off the three. Then it's 34 to 23. Does that make you feel better? Does that make you feel better about it? The Steelers still offensively would have put up the most points that they had the entire season. They put up 23 in week one. They needed a Minka Fitzpatrick pick six to get there. So they would have still scored 23 points. And the defense still would have surrendered 34. Like What are we talking about? No one here is saying that this offense should be elite. Not anyone in their right mind, anyways. The defense, people are saying, including Mike Tomlin and his coaching staff, should be, the word he used, not me, dominant. 34 points, 37 points, however you want to call it, is that dominant? The answer is no. The answer is no. And this is probably the most disheartening thing. This defense is supposed to be better. It's supposed to be better. And it's not. It's not. I know they've battled a lot of injuries. You talk about TJ Watt's injuries. You talk about Larry Ogunjobi's nagging injuries. You talk about Minka Fitzpatrick's appendectomy, Devontae Casey coming off IR, DeMarvin Leal going on IR. I could go on and on and on. Akella Witherspoon's hamstring. Yeah, they've dealt with injuries. 
But there, the expectations for them were so much greater. When they surrender that many points, I'm sorry, I'm going to put some blame, the majority of the blame, on the defense. Just my opinions. Everyone's entitled to theirs. Speaking of your opinions, when I come back in the second half, we're going to dive headfirst into the mailbag segment. The Ride or Die crew did not disappoint. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Steeler fans, welcome back to the second half of the mo- this Wednesday, Monday, this Wednesday podcast, the day before Thanksgiving, and it is time for the mailbag segment. As I always do, if you've ever wondered how to get your question answered, all you have to do is follow me on Twitter. That's at jhartman h a r t m a n underscore p i t. That's if you haven't deleted your Twitter account, like a lot of people have, and uh, you just. Every Tuesday morning, I'm going to put out a tweet. You respond to that tweet, and I'll answer that question on Wednesday. Let's get things started off with Tank. He asked three questions. First, with all the issues on punts, do you think they do you think they will have a bunch of tryouts in the offseason? I mean kicking and not and returning, not just one or the other. So um Mike Tomlin was very complimentary of Presley Harvin on Tuesday in his press conference. I don't think they're changed, they're expecting a change of punter at all. In terms of returner, I think that job is open. I think it's open. I think it's Sims for the rest of the season. If he gets banged up or hurt or ineffective, it's going to row. Look for Calvin Austin to throw his name into the hat, as well as um, uh, the other receiver that's on injured reserve that I can't think of his name. He used to play for Chicago and the Houston Texans. But still, there's other players out there. So I think they will have an open competition for the return man in uh, next season. Next one from Tank. Kenny seems to look to Pickens and Muth a lot more than Johnson. I don't think it's a phasing him out type deal. But I think it's chemistry from the offseason. Would you agree? I think that this is a situation where, I've said it before, I'll say it again. You go back to even when Ben Roethlisberger was there. You would always see these plays where the De- Deontay Johnson just reads the field differently. The, the quarterback is expecting one thing, he does another, and they, they're always talking to each other when they come back. Well, who's the common denominator? It's always Deontay Johnson. So I think that they can improve. Ben Roethlisberger certainly had a good rapport with Deontay Johnson. He put up a lot of stats with Ben Roethlisberger. It could get there. I think it's just a chemistry thing like you mentioned. Last question from Tank. Do you think the Steelers' poor showing this year, do you think with the Steelers' poor showing this year, that they will be moving from more, they will be out of more primetime games next season? Or do you think the NFL knows the best fans, they are the best fans in all the land? So, sorry, had to decipher that code. So, in other words, do I think they won't have uh, all the primetime games? I actually thought about this on my drive home from work today, and I was thinking about, man, how they got flexed out on Sunday night. If the NFL could flex out Monday night, which in 2023 they will be able to do that, would they flex them out of this spot in Week 12? And I think they would. I think they would. And it makes me wonder, you know, what are the expectations going to be for the Steelers in primetime next year. I think they're still going to get primetime games. I might see them, you might see them in like the 405 slot a little bit more, uh, in less dead, less Sunday night football, Monday night football. They're, yeah, that they're still a brand and they're still a huge fan base, but ultimately they're just, why would you want those guys in, in primetime? It's just not a good product. 
All right, it's a good question. Doc M, Southside Doc, happy Thanksgiving, ride or die crew. Same to you, Doc. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving. How many points per game does the offense have to score to solidly, gosh, I can't read tonight, solidly convince you to keep Canada at the end of the season? This is something I mentioned on a couple podcasts ago. I said that all these fans that want Canada gone, if the offense starts to put up 25-plus on a weekly basis, Kenny Pickett's making improvements, they're moving the ball well, it's not perfect, but it's a heck of a lot better than what it was, then the Steelers might think about keeping him around. I'd say if they can put up 25-plus the vast majority of the time from here on out, I think Matt Canada will be back. I think he'll be back. I think that the fan base will be furious. But at the same time, if it continues the way it is, I don't think we'll have to worry about that. Ryan Carter asks, is Minka's ability to freelance a problem? The two games without Minka, the secondary was locked down. The schemes on defense might actually work if Minka stays put. Well, with the three-safety look, it should be designed to give him a little bit more freedom without putting someone or hanging someone out to dry. We'll put it that way. However, when he's in there, I mean, you, you hate to tell someone that is a dynamic playmaker not to use your intelligence and not to use your instincts and try to make plays. That would be like telling Troy Polamalu when he was in his prime, hey, you just run the defense. There's a, there's a, a whole section in Bill Cowher's book where he's talking about standing on the sidelines and he's watching Troy. Now he's seeing Troy's supposed to be in the deep half, cover two, and he's up at the line of scrimmage and he's yelling, Troy, Troy. This is before the snap. Troy's inching closer to the line of scrimmage. Troy's literally taking his hand and telling Cowher to be quiet. And then the, the snap happens. Troy Polamalu sprints to the flat, and Cowher's thinking it's a busted coverage. We're not, we don't have anyone deep. Play The, the play is it's a, thir- it's a third and long. It falls incomplete. They come off the field, and Bill Cowher says, what are you doing? He said, Coach, we've been running that cover two look all game. I had the backside corner covering for me in the deep half. I took his responsibility in the flat to give them a different look, and it worked because I think they were playing Carson Palmer, who he knew really well, and it worked. And Cowher immediately knew, like, I got I to gotta trust this guy. I feel like that's the way they are with Minka Fitzpatrick. You got to trust him to make the plays. So I'd hate to say you take that freelance ability out of that. Justin Pinsker asks, why has no one created a video with bad Steelers offensive plays with the song Blame Canada Play? I don't know, but I do know that if you listen to what Yen's talking about, they they play the Blame Canada song every week, at least a snippet of it, so you can check that show out. I think that's every Thursday at noon. Lori asks, I hope I'm not too late for my question. You are not, Lori. I think it is fair to say that this offensive scheme is, well, not great. Could it be seriously hindering Kenny Pickett's development? To my uneducated eye, he looks like he's lost confidence. Happy Thanksgiving, hashtag ride or die crew. Thank you, Lori, and happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. I, I don't know if it's if he's lost confidence. Kenny Pickett's a very confident individual, and I think that Kenny Pickett, as Mike Tomlin alluded to, is seeing improvement. And when he's he's not, it's not at a, the, the rapid pace we'd all like, but he's seeing improvement, and it's going to be a work in progress. I think that you see a different Kenny Pickett when they're winning games. No one wants to lose. And so and Kenny Pickett said after the New Orleans game, at, and when he was up at his post-game press conference, said it's good to be up here after a win for once. Yeah, th- th- it wears on you. I don't think it's the scheme. I think it's just losing. But that's just my uneducated eye, as you put it. Caleb Guy asked a question. Actually asked two. Is Kenny making pro- progress in, a play, in his play? 
or is he primarily being a one-read-and-throw guy? I know the play dictates it, but most plays look like one read and gone. There's a lot There's a lot of layers to this. I mean, you have to talk about what kind of routes they're running, how much time does he have, is it a designed one-read play where it's the look that they get, they want this play, they want that slant. I think back to when they played the Saints. Kenny Pickett spoke about this, how Deontay Johnson was interfered with. And if, if he wouldn't have been interfered with, they, they connect on the slant, and Deontay Johnson's probably gone. They're still chasing him. And they interfere with him, and it gets flagged, and Kenny Pickett said, you know, that was zero. That was a zero coverage look, meaning they had no help down the backside. He knew Deontay Johnson was going to win inside. So that's one of those one read. They gave him the look they want. He sees it. He goes, go. So yeah, that's not a bad thing. Like some people say, oh, he can only go to his first read. No, he's, he's looked off and gone through his progressions. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, but yeah, sometimes with the rookie, they take their first read. And also, if they're not allowed to audible, which is being reported, then that hinders what they can and can't do. Second one from Caleb. How worried are you about the possibility of JC being full-time center while Cole is possibly out? I feel like the run game is definitely going to take a step back from recent success. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed that Mike Tomlin's confidence in Mason Cole returning is not overblown. JC Hasnauer, given practice time, I think would be okay. No, the running game is not going to be the same. No. The pass protection is not going to be the same, but you give him a chance to get acclimated and it might be better than you think. Nathan Van Slyke says, Hey, Jeff, looks like both James Harrison and Hines Ward have made it to the semifinals for the Hall of Fame. Do you think either of them make it this year? Gosh, I hope Hines does. He just deserves it. Not going to get into that. I, I did an entire podcast this past offseason about how Heinz Ward deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Go back and check it out. You can just Google it. I'm sure Let's Ride, Heinz Ward Hall of Fame, and you'll find it. So uh, go back and listen to that. I give detailed numbers about players that are in the Hall of Fame that Heinz Ward has better numbers and more success in big games like Super Bowls and MVPs, and yet he's not in. So I hope he gets in. We'll see. King Tibbs, where's the downfield attack in this offense? Kenny averages six yards per completion. That about sums up the situation. Shaking my head, why can't we not get anything resembling a competent passing game at all? I think there's been some progress here, King Tibbs. You think about some of the chunk plays that have happened. You had a big play to a couple big plays to George Pickens. You had a couple big plays to Pat Fryermuth. They are starting to work the ball down the field, but let's also think back to last season. What was said about Ben Roethlisberger? Oh, he doesn't throw the ball down the field. Everything's outside the numbers. You think maybe this is by design? Everyone wants to ridicule, you know, Kenny Pickett. They did it with Ben Roethlisberger as well when they looked at the the next-gen stat chart of the field and you see all these outside dots and nothing on the inside. Maybe it's by design. Let's keep that in mind. It could be possible. But at the same time, yeah, Kenny Pickett could be more accurate down in the middle of the field, and they could be more aggressive in that area. It also depends on the coverage. You know, if they're running single high, you're not going to want to throw it over the middle as much. Something to keep in mind. Aaron Cummins said, Canada's play calling continues to be mind-boggling. Clearly, clearly the game he called in the first half was working. Why on earth in the second half would you revert to play calling that was proven and shown not to work in prior games? Now, I want to make something clear. The Cincinnati defense has been unbelievably awesome all season in the second half. I think it was up until the Carolina game, right before their bye, they hadn't given up a second-half touchdown all season. They are very good at adjustments. Their defensive coordinator knows how to figure things out, and he did it again. Now, yeah, they they scored a garbage-time touchdown, but this guy did it again. 
You hear them talking, them being the Bengals, say, we knew what plays were coming. They run the same plays over and over again. Well, those plays worked in the first half, and Matt Canada clearly, whether it's because they don't have any other plays or whether it's because he thought that they would just be able to continue to run the plays and they would still be successful, he kept going back to the well, and the well ran dry. So it's up to now either they have to start diving into deeper parts of the playbook or Matt Canada has to start figuring things out in terms of how he is using the first half to set up the second half. It's one of his biggest problems. All right, Believers. Haven't heard from him in a while on this show. He said, with what is almost a guaranteed three top 40 picks in the draft, what positions do you focus on? Cornerback, offensive line, defensive line, inside linebacker are the biggest concerns. I've conveniently left one of my needs out. Don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Oh, my gosh. Stop it with the quarterback stuff. I'm so sick and tired of talking about the quarterback stuff. So, anyways, uh, if I'm focusing on positional needs, it starts in the trenches. That is number one for me. You can say defensive line. You can say offensive line. It doesn't matter. I want them both addressed with those first three picks. Give me one on both sides. The third, if there's a cornerback available that you really like, that would be great. But they need to beef up their offensive line, especially on the left side. The defensive line is not getting any younger. You, Alawalu is going to be done after this year. Cam Hayward's getting older. Yes, you have DeMarvin Leal, but you got to have somebody else. So you need to get that player. You need to get that player. So that's where I'm going. Start in the trenches, work your way out. Corey Eckenroth, at this point in the season, using the eye test, what would you say is the bigger issue regarding the offense? Canada scheme or subpar O-line talent? Do they go hand-in-hand? Hand? I think they do go hand-in-hand. Hand. I think that Matt Canada might want to call certain plays, but he doesn't trust the play to work for whatever reason. Maybe it's a rookie quarterback. Maybe it's a an inexperienced offensive line. Whatever it is, I think they do go hand-in-hand, hand, but the scheme is an issue too. The adjustments are an issue, like I mentioned. I think you say a Bargle Lem? If I missed it, if I missed that, I apologize. He said, What's your general opinion about NFL games in Europe? Here in Munich was a great atmosphere, and we would like to have more of them. Okay, that's that's interesting. You went out the game. I did hear someone say the field looked rough. I didn't get to see that game, uh, so I, I can't say whether they did or didn't. The NFL is trying to make their game global. That has been a very important thing for the the for Roger Goodell. They want the game to be global. It dominates in the the United States. They want it to dominate everywhere. They want football, American football, to compete with what the rest of the world calls football, which they're experiencing the World Cup right now. I'm not saying it's going to get there, but that's their goal. And so I think you will see more games around the world. Zach Brodsky says, Sunday the Steelers played solid football. If they get the defense to play with more discipline and call better plays in the second half of that game, the Steelers win. You think... Do you think that the Steelers make these corrections down the stretch and go possibly six and one or five and two, or do they continue to make the same mistakes? It's easy to look at schedules and say, "Oh, well, they'll, they'll, they can beat the Colts, they can beat the Panthers, they can beat the Falcons, and they can beat the Browns." And then they have those two games against Baltimore, and that's going to be tough. Yeah, it's easy to look down the line and say that, but at what point in this season has anyone been given a vote of confidence from this team? I can't say I have. I'd love to say that I could see them finishing five and two or six and one. This team can't do it in a for a game. They're not consistent enough to get it done for a game, let alone an entire second half of a season, essentially. 
So for me, I'm not jumping. I'm not jumping down that rabbit hole just yet. They need to do it in in a semi consistent basis first. We'll put it that way. D- Daily Joint Company says, "Hey Jeff, has Kenny has Kenny's start to his rookie season been handled about as worse as it could have been? From not having a competent coordinator, an offensive identity." offensive line run game to starting him right before the hardest gauntlet of games on the schedule. I understand it could almost never be perfect, but I feel like the ball was absolutely dropped by the Steelers and how his rookie season has been handled. I still believe in him and the team though. Just wish it was handled differently to help Kenny out more. You can even put the quarterback situation in this conversation as well. Seems they overpaid for a backup because they weren't expecting to have a shot at Kenny. Take what you can get. Sure. This just feels like bad process. Ironically, the Oladokun pick was bad process too, not good. Yeah, I, I think that there was some mismanagement in this situation. Mike, Mike Tomlin said, we're going to have an open competition. You didn't, you didn't have an open competition. Mitch Trubisky started from day one. Mason Rudolph didn't get a fair shake. Kenny Pickett didn't get a fair shake. Chris Oladokun certainly didn't get a fair shake to, to even make a roster spot. So here they are. They just crowned Mitch Trubisky right off the bat. And then in week four, you're making changes. It doesn't add up. Nothing adds up with this situation. I know I'm not alone. Dave Schofield has said it as well. It it definitely feels like the cut and paste component when the depth chart had Kenny Pickett as third and not second. Someone might have someone from upstairs might have said, Hey, coach, we're making this change, just so you know. Don't be shocked. If that were actually the case, don't be shocked. If I'm not saying it's Art Rooney, but someone said, "Look, maybe it was Omar Khan." I don't know. We gotta we gotta figure this thing out. We gotta get people in seats. Gotta get people excited, and we need to see what we have in this guy. And they make that change. I don't know. We'll see. Robert Robles, I think that's how, Roberto Robles. I'm sorry. Said hi, Jeff. Do you think if you guys do another trivia contest, can Bad just take us to Applebee's as the prize? If you want to go to Applebee's with Brian Davis, by all means, we can do that. I don't even know if there's an Applebee's where we live. I don't think there is anymore. So he'll have to travel. He'll travel to you. How about that? We'll send Brian Davis to you to take you out to Applebee's, as they say in Talladega Nights, a nice home cooked meal. Last question here from Najee Harris's Charisma. Hey, Jeff, can you please bring back the primetime music for the Friday game pick segment? I usually wait and listen on Sunday morning, and the music gets me amped for the day. So, yeah, we can do that. I can absolutely do that. When Jeremy and I do the NFL picks, I can take uh, I can take that audio and, and lay it underneath there to, to give you that game day vibe. You know, you get that NFL primetime music. That stuff does get stuck in your head. I'll be honest, it gets stuck in your head for sure. It's great. Okay, so I can do that for sure. Ask and you shall receive. There you go. I'm a man of the people. Don't tell. Don't let anyone tell you I'm not. Okay, folks, that does it for me. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy it, however you're enjoying it, whether it's Wednesday, Wednesday night at the bar or Thursday night with your aunts and uncles. Enjoy the hell out of it. Have a great Thanksgiving. I'm going to be back on Friday. Make sure you check me out. In the meantime, you know how you finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go My candles burning bright.